Good view, you are watching exert us. This is because exert us makes you feel good, makes you feel fulfilled. You are enjoying this. You will continue to watch exert us for a long time to come. You want to subscribe to exert us, and you will. You will like and subscribe and share. You will tell your friends. Tell your friends about exert us. Your friends will come to like exert us, much as you are liking this right now, as we speak. Thank you for subscribing to exert us. See, that was easy. Oval Office. What's up, Drew? How's it going, bro? Good, mate. Good. Uh, interesting little space just before. Oh, my God. So, yeah. In between just like, trying to have dinner and all sorts of things going on. So, so a, a recap of our, our previous interaction. Well, we've had so many. It's like a meta. But uh, I keep trying to hang out. And then you've been teaching kids uh, or something to that effect because you teach because you're a teacher. You're teaching. Yep. Those, those time zones, they really throw a spanner on the works, don't they? Yeah, that the time space time continuum in general. But you were just doing a space, and I tried to jump in. Oh, you can't even see the. This is ridiculous. That's not even the right window. That's embarrassing. That was cool though, because it was more meta than anything I've shown before. No, here is uh, your. You're missing the point, which is Drew. And so you were doing. You were doing a space. Why don't you just tell me? Because like I jumped into the space, and as soon as they saw that I used to work for CNN, they threw me out. <laughs> so, I've been getting into the Twitter spaces quite a bit recently, and. It hasn't been something that's very big in Australia in general, so it's good to find any Australians talking about anything, really. Um, and I saw one about something that happened with Twitter, and I wasn't really aware that Twitter had gone down, air quotes. Um, but you're a special I, Australian. You know, you're, like, educated. You don't live with your yeah. parents. You're different. I Keep know. going. I am, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, jumped, I jumped on to find out what had happened, and 
Um, I'd had a little bit of a run in with one of the gentlemen on there in a space last night. Um, it was a MAGA 2024 baby exclamation mark type of a space. And I just came at it from kind of like a neutral zone, that thousand foot kind of bird's eye view about like, how are we really sure that Trump is the good guy? Like, it's going to be fucking fantastic if this guy is really coming to save us. If there are white hats really working behind the scenes, I'd be throwing a ticker tape parade to be fantastic. But I tend to look at things through logic, reason, and faith. Whoops. So I just, oh, yeah, whoops. <laughs> I, I broke down some of my concerns. Also, how old are some, you again? I'm 35. Yeah, so you're not you're not 25. You know what I mean? You're, no. not, you're not 15. Like, I, a lot of what I heard in that felt like this is my first rodeo talk a lot of these people it was like this is their first rodeo you know what i mean like it's i don't know as someone who's like stood in the presence of darth sidious has been like a meter from trump several times i feel like it's a little funny hearing australians talking about trump the way that they were but yeah i'm sorry keep continue because you were you were being kind of critic you were not being critical you were being uh what's the word analytical analytical and you were looking for potential issues with the math right i guess that's, that's right um so it was just asking the questions of um how do we know trump's the savior how do we know he's the good guy as we know that um throughout history politics has been gamed it's been played the left and the right have been used against the people since time immemorial since they threw the whole idea of democracy at us it's been gamed and played out so ziggy, my a picture of the scottish right bird would you think ziggy i'm gonna just start <laughs> saying ziggy <laughs> Uh, that's yeah. not right. Scottish right? No, not Scottish Terrier. Uh, there he is. Okay, so you got the left team, you the left wing, the right wing. Yeah, you know and and we know what Albert Pike said. He said, "When they need a hero, I will present one to them." I actually quoted that, and that kind of I think pissed a few people off that I would question Trump in any capacity. Yeah, it was and weird, said, and so it was funny because on two levels, because there's like a kind of a pun there, because like it's Trump right, and then so I that was why I jumped in because I wanted to ask the question: Is he right, as in right wing, not just correct? Because I mean, he's not like I know plenty of Republicans. They're not like Republicans have changed, you know, like you could almost say the party was dying when Trump came into power. And but this idea, this cognitive dissidence of the rhino thing. Oh, by the way, do you like my artwork of the super kangaroos, safety kangaroos? <laughs> yeah, this is beautiful. I made this song just for you. Actually. Safety kangaroos. Yeah. Safety kangaroos. This is about you and fighting the rhinos. bro. This is gonna be big. This is gonna be bigger than lightning dogs. Safe kangaroos. Quite ironic because I was accused of being a rhino in that space. Oh, now you're a safety kangaroo, mate. Are there lyrics coming? I mean, I'm gonna give it one more chance to go to the verse. No. There's definitely lyrics to that song. Safety kangaroos is going to be big. I'll play it more later. Um, but yeah, no, because like this idea of the rhino is to, is this idea that there's a Republican in name only. And the irony of that is that was what Trump literally came into the party doing. And I'm not against this, like, because I wasn't really a left winger, right winger. That was why I was interested in Trump the same way I was interested in Bernie. But Bernie, you know, is more of a fake leftist. Uh, he's like a, if you think about it, he doesn't really do the things he says he'll do, right? Like he'll talk about things. This is what a politician does, right? But Trump, Trump on the other hand, he really does the things he says he'll do, but they're not all right-wing things. If you look at COVID, uh, I almost called this Trump-Leninism because during COVID, right, like um, he performed all sorts of central planning 
routines. He created um, essential workers. He had certain businesses forced to do certain things. I mean, these are all these are all central planning, Stalin plan kind of thing. There's Trump Leninism. And in, I didn't coin Trump Leninism, right? Like that's a term that's existed for some time. But like, I think that that's interesting, right? Like, is, do you think that Trump is this right winger? Like, and how would you compare like Rupert, Rupert Murdoch, right? Because isn't Rupert Murdoch a right winger? Like a real one, not a rhino, an actual right winger? Well, this is the thing. The Overton window keeps changing and interweaving all the time. We know that like the Democrats during the Civil War, they were the slave owners. So they would have been the racists of the day. They're the racists of the day that would be the bad Republicans of our modern era. And you see it through conservatives in politics. They tend not to conserve really anything. They let things kind of go away to progressivism over time. I wouldn't say politics is as black and white as people make it out in team politics of blue versus red. There's always an area of gray in things. And I think the biggest issue at the moment is you've got people who are so hungry for what true conservative right-leaning ideologies are that they become very dogmatic in everything is black and white. And if you have even one talking point that they would consider left, they throw you out of the bathwater. Like you're the worst person on the planet. You're a lefty. And it's just this social idea of anything that's slightly different from your idea of the norm is bad. And you're so, a communist. What, what, so, but, okay. So, but then again, if Trump is doing Trump Leninism things, right. I think it was Scott, uh, no, Steve Bannon. It was Steve Bannon who said, to, uh, I think it was the first person I heard say uh, Trump Leninism. So like if Trump is doing central planning things, doesn't that, I mean, so what does that say about this idea of central planning and communism and everything else? Like, what does that really say about all that? Well, that this is the thing. I think the majority of people that, like you said before, it was like 16 or 12-year-old talking points of this and they don't really know what they're talking about. And I don't want to sound unkind because everyone has their own um, understanding of, of politics and how it's moved and changed. But for people to say that Trump or even just the Republicans today are an entirely right-wing outfit just don't have an understanding of their policies and the decisions that they make. Like so you what said, does it COVID mean to be right good? Sorry, go yeah, ahead. What does it mean to be right wing? Yeah, That's I want to ask that eventually. You know? That that keeps changing over time. What it, what does it mean to be right wing? People really cling on to, I think, what it means to be right wing as of, say, the 1920s or the 1940s. That's right the idea. Wing, bro. Let's yeah, be right wing people, for a day. Well, there we go. Purple, you know? It's like, <laughs> I don't know. The idea of being right wing just seems kind of funny to me because it seems very temporal. Like, are you going to be right wing or are you going to be left wing is really like what decade it is, right? Like as soon as you've been, your generation has been left wing for 20 years, that becomes cancelable. And uh, at a certain point, let's say you've accumulated, let's say you've been upset at the old norms. So you've wanted to liberate the wealth or the ideologies. And now you've got your thing. Now you want to conserve what you've achieved. So, I mean, it's like, it's really not a question of right or left. It's a question of secular, like which, if the Christian church is on the outs, it's really great, right? Because it's, it has to appeal to people. And as soon as it becomes the police force, it's just the same thing as any other secular thing, right? Exactly. And it comes down to, it could even just come to certain talking points or certain uh, approaches to to politics at the time. (laughs) One one big one is abortion rights, and that was really big last year okay. in America. Um, so a lot of people might take the very fundamentalist Christian uh, approach to this, that all abortion is wrong, it's evil, it can't be done. Whereas right. there's some people who would be considered as rhinos or people skating in the grey area saying, rare but legal. 
only so, for but, very, very limited. So, so in other words, though, right then means not libertarian because like libertarians would say like you want to have your uh, your rights. You have your rights exactly. to do whatever for your person, even if that means, you know, like as much as it even if it hurts others, like even if it kills somebody, you want to continue to have your rights. Like that seems like is that not a right wing thought? Like it's not really about maintaining your uh... this this is the issue you've got people that like i said can fix themselves on such a dogmatic view of everything is black and white that eventually they're going to get caught out in their own hysteria there's eventually something's going to pop up in their life or a situation that they may not agree with they're going to be in the black zone they won't be in the white checkerboard anymore and that's when the people get unstuck we see it happen in in communism, we see it happen in fascism. When you have a fixed dogmatic view in any kind of capacity, whether it's secular, pol um, political, the world isn't black and white. As much as we want it to be, it's not. It's various shades of grey. There are black that exists, there are white that exists, but there's a whole lot of grey in between. And I think the danger is that you have this massive momentum, not necessarily behind Trump, it's behind the idea of Q and QAnon's that mm. we're in a war. And I agree that we are in a spiritual war to a degree as hum as humanity. But as soon as you add this idea of overarching war, you can kind of morally justify anything that fits in with your scope and sequence of how you understand the world. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the one problem because they say, well, not the one problem, but one thing that I noticed a lot was people saying, well, it doesn't matter really what they say because they're politicians. We assume all that. So we know everything is a lie you know it's like but then beyond that there's this veiled truth so you can infer whatever you need to infer to constantly propel this narrative so it's super dangerous because it can be easily uh co-opted and it seems like that's the thing that happened with as soon as like QAnon movement became about trust the plan you're like well trust the plan i mean isn't that the opposite of what we've been talking about like we've been tr like people who trusted the plan let this happen right exactly and my my go-to for trust the plan has always been you're waiting for someone else to come along and save you and for all that's needed for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing so if you're just sitting back assuming that someone's doing the good thing but you're not 100 sure you're letting bad things happen so you're not actively having skin in the game if you're letting someone else do it for you god honestly this kangaroo is Uh, they're gonna guard us from the world like that new wave kind of like 1991 he's getting pretty bad down under as they say as opposed to below I can't completely get what he said, but some about the rhino <laughs> I think the point is that rhinos as a concept, though, we still have this idea that we have to deal with Rupert Murdoch. Is he a conservative? Because isn't that kind of the true conservative? Like Americans have this idea as a conservative, as a guy who just like is trying to buy a house. Isn't somebody who already bought their house and has a castle and trying to conserve it? Isn't, isn't that person who doesn't want anything to be up to discussion because he's built his Republican state and has his authority? Isn't that what the right really is? I mean, not to say it's bad, but I mean, it's well, not good either. Really. A true conservative wants to conserve what they already have. They don't want any kind of change in that whatsoever. They don't want anything to deviate from what they've established and then what the norm is. I think the idea of um, rhinos is... It's such a hard thing to narrow down because I 
I get pejorative. It is, and I get thrown in it because I truly tried to understand their thinking and coming from their point of view, but then get stuck in this logic loop of where it doesn't apply. Right. Yeah, it's like this idea that there's a difference between because you might want to think like Liz Cheney and uh, Dick Cheney are rhinos, but they're not. They're literally Republican. They're just neoconservatives. It's a it's a kind of Republican. Like that totally is what it is. It's hard to pretend it's not right. Like it's this Paris syndrome idea. Like, well, I'm not like that. And so the real party is not like that. Like that's not very useful. Right. I mean, that's the same logic, which the, the Democrats use when they say that this is a large tent. Yeah. It's, it's this strange idea where they suddenly think that one guy comes out of nowhere and is right wing and he's here to stand up for us because he's not a politician he's put himself in that position so he clearly cares about us but every single other ceo politician um non-government entity leader in the world is a bad guy because they don't care about humanity but this one guy that came out of nowhere is here to stand for us what's occam's razor what's more plausible that one guy out of nowhere comes to save us or that he's the same as everyone else at least to some capacity Okay, so the other thing is like being in Australia. Like, what are you do? You, are you seeing Australia change? Is it becoming more QAnon right wing? Like, out of reaction to failures in local government and social and economic, uh, in, is are, th- are people kind of freaking out, or do you see like it's a lot of just you know mainstream people still and they're stoked on the fluoride? And <laughs> I'd give it the. Now, traditionally, Australia for the last 10 years or so has kind of been a 60-40 split of conservatives and um, progressives, so the left wing and the right. I think COVID woke up a lot of conservatives to how gamed the political system is and they're just scratching at each other's backs, lining each other's pockets. Like after a parliamentary assembly and a debate, they go and have lunch together. So I think that woke up a few conservative people within Australia, but at the same time it had that negative side effect where People were put through such horrible times that they looked for someone to be the saviour, the messiah. And unfortunately, that meant a lot of Australians, whether rightly or wrongly, through their research, they gripped onto Q and they're not willing to let go of it. Can I 100% be certain that Q is is not a, a, a thing that's here to save us? No, I don't know. The information, the research that I've looked at, I don't hold a lot of faith in it. That's the there's only a lot. Well, there's just it's like we have so much evidence of psychological operations, and so exactly. even if you've got some of this that's true, then you've got a lot of people that are working. You know, one of the main ways that they would be combating if this is a, they're saying there's a war, right? So part of the way that they would fight in a war like that, probably the majority of it, if they don't want it to be seen, is through propaganda and through online honeypotting and social media and everything like that. So creating this narrative and co-opting the narrative regardless. I think that that's something that a lot of QAnon people didn't want to acknowledge, especially when you start seeing it spreading on Facebook. It's like, well, clearly someone wants people to see this. They found a way for it to be useful to them. Right. Yeah. It's it's a perfect shaping operation at that as well. Like you said, co-opted movements, shaping operations, all these things are part of fifth generational warfare, which they seem to quote a lot. They seem to say that what Trump's doing here or, the right or the white hats, these entities who are there to save us, they have to let the Biden government be in control, even though they're supposedly an illegitimate government. They have to be in control to make things worse, to wake people up. Now, in my mind, anyone who's lost their life, um, say committed suicide, gone through hard times, all because the good guys had to show you how bad things are, that's on them. 
That's not a good thing. I think if a savior is a true savior, they wouldn't have allowed any of that to happen in the first place. Why would you have to put someone through suffering just for them to recognize it? If you had the power and the ability just to air out all the dirty laundry, wouldn't you do that to begin with? I I mean, it depends. So, I mean, I get, I get the applause, the, okay. I get the plausibility of if there's a lot of people in power and they've got their judges set up and then they know how to like, you know, force courts to happen under those judges, then it's almost impossible because the way the legal system works is you're innocent until proven guilty. So if you're proven innocent, then you can say that the person who accused you, uh, it has slandered and libeled you. And that was part of the conspiracy of silence uh, problems. So the other thing is, this is feeding on people's already existing conspiracy of silence documentary. Um, it's all about the Boys Town. Is this right? Is this the right one? Uh, Larry King, Franklin Child uh, prostitution ring allegations, right? And so in Omaha, a lot of these kids came out and said they've been raped by uh, politicians, federal authorities, uh, people who ran large companies. And then the kids, you know, like they ended up saying that they, that the people were innocent. The kids had lied and uh, had been arrested on perjury charges, carefully crafted hoax, et cetera. And they arrested the kids who were, you know, had been molested or allegedly had been molested. Right. So then now we have to be careful what we say. So exactly. see why uh, QAnon, you know, the idea of like, well, you need to engineer um, this behind the scenes. The problem also, is I, I didn't follow it after a certain point because it got to a point where it's just like, okay, but blue and on, right? Like there's a whole group of people when we were at Timcast that left to become blue and on people very early on. Right. And their idea was like that, um, Biden was part of this, uh, Trump conspiracy and it's like a bigger world conspiracy or something like that. I don't know, again, like all of this stuff. Like, I don't know how much, you know, even about like the QAnon conspiracy, like what is your understanding of the plan? <laughs> this is the thing. It almost takes on trust. a, yeah, trust the plan. It almost takes on a larger than life religious connotation. It kind of, of puts trump into this idea or q this elusive q whoever that is as q is the god type of um, archetype with trump as the messiah or the prophet the great 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 grandson of jesus uh, christ and sinclair bro yeah exactly mate and it puts it into such a situation that it's all based on belief not necessarily reality in a lot of cases and I think you you're, you might have had a, a straw that broke the camel's back where something just became too outlandish and crazy and you, you dropped off the, the I just don't like point. I just don't like trust the plan because trust the plan is kind of like go home. You're not it's like in military where you're like you're not you don't have an, um they don't respect you enough to give you the classification uh like the clearance if you don't have clearance. You know what I mean? Like trust the plan means you don't have clearance. And I feel like, well, then, okay, I'm not, then there's nothing I can do about that. It's not very useful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, um, a, an Australian ex-SAS um, lieutenant commander. Oh, sorry. That's not his actual rank. Um, Ex-SAS commander in Australia called Ricardo Bossi. He's very big on a lot of the Q talking points and says he's, he's involved in it. He knows he's got the intel. He's someone asked him a question on one of his lives one day about, um, chemtrails and the shit they're spraying on people. And he mm -hmm. said, nope, you don't have to worry about that. We've taken control. What's being sprayed in the sky now is to take away all the damage that's been done through previous chemtrails. So don't look up. That's funny. One of the things that I've heard about that, there is evidence that a lot of the chemtrails are starting to be better, uh, 
I've, I've actually seen scientific research on contrail, you know, that, that probably is, you know, involved in trying to clean up the environment and help with uh, rain for agriculture, right? In France, for instance, they have their own system just in order to help with the wine production, right? So I wouldn't be surprised at all if you had certain circumstances, people that are trying to use geoengineering uh, and think that it's a good thing. What scares me is the idea that they think they know for sure. They're like, okay, well, don't worry, yeah. this is completely harmless now. Well, yeah, I don't. I still said. don't know what's in it. I, I that doesn't make me know more. You know what I mean? What's in the chemical? Now that you're telling me, don't worry. Now it's changed to a safer chemical. It's like saying this is new coke. Like, oh, okay. But yeah, like you said, trust the plan. There's a, such a huge amount of level of trust you have to put in it. If you're someone who's been so sure through your research that um, chems trails and spraying of the atmosphere has been a negative attack on say the environment and humanity. You have to trust that what you're seeing now is good spraying, but you don't get any details or receipts to prove that it's such. You just have to trust this guy's word. So that's that idea of trust the plan. It's how much trust can you put in any person beyond your understanding and knowledge of what you're actually looking into? Okay, but like, all right, then we there's also this idea that we kind of can't, we kind of are maybe able to know a bit more. We know, I mean, we know at least as much as anybody working at CNN, I think. Like pretty much, like as far as I could recall, they don't know much more. Uh, they know they know about as much as like we know a day before the newspapers report it. You go to Twitter and you can see like live, you know, news happening. I can find out when someone's dead or something like as it happens, I guess. But in terms of this idea, like Trump versus Biden, you know, like we're coming up on an American election. We're coming to a lot of elections. Is there an election in Australia next year, too? No, ours okay. isn't for a little while yet. Yeah. Okay, so like that's the thing. We've got America. I think it's like Peru, Korea, Mexico, a couple other countries that also have like major elections. Is Canada one? Let's see, Canada, twenty twenty four. I forget if that's. I think Canada is also. I think uh, they're on the lead up to one as well. Yeah. Twenty four. A bunch of countries are doing. Uh, stop responding, Bing. Let me ask the question. Nope, it doesn't care. All right, probably. The point is, if Biden runs against Trump, right? And we don't know if he will. Do you think he will? Uh, this whole idea of Gavin Newsom running, and is is it look like they're trying to take Trump off the ballots and everything like that? They're, they're working pretty hard to keep Trump from running in America. We're seeing that. I mean, what do you what do you what do you see like from Australia? Like you're far away. What do you see? Well, this is the thing. I I think that there's definitely a conservative effort by left wing politics and media in general to make sure that Trump doesn't get his name on the ballot. They don't want him to run again. That's that's pretty clear. Even some factions in the right don't want Trump to run. Yeah, they yeah, want someone right. else, right? So I'll right. agree with them on, on that. That that regard, absolutely. Trump is a he's a spanner in the works for the establishment, and I'll give him that because he's not a, a general a genuine politician. He's his own guy. He's the dark horse. They don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, he's the actual rhino, right? He, he is. He is. He's like an independent. He has his own. Uh, kind of more libertarian values like he he's got values that are not not that aligned with goldwater necessarily either he's done some central planning like he is he's his own he's only in the republican party instead of the democratic party because there was an opening right absolutely and, and his, his history shows that he's had uh democratic alignments early on in his career he's rubbed shoulders with democrat party members um even speaking in um certain press uh, conferences early on in his career that asked if he'd run for president and he said I'd something along the lines of I'd think about it and it'd probably be a democratic 
Yeah. I, they didn't have a position for him. Arguably, you could say the left has gone so far left that they no longer align with the views he had, so he kind of had to go to the Republicans. And that's why we see that rhino kind of approach. He's purple. He's not red and he's not blue. <laughs> he's purple. He's a perfect combination of the two. I don't think they could possibly stop Trump from getting in. I think he'll keep fighting these. Um, it'll go to the Supreme Court with these states that are trying to block him. Like Colorado's done that. I think other left-leaning states will try to do the same. But all that's doing is that's ensuring an echo chamber of states that wouldn't traditionally vote for him anyway. If we start to see that happen in swing states in America, that's when there might be an issue for Trump. I feel like that he's the only option for them to go ahead for the Republicans. Um, as for the for the left, for the Democrats, I tend to think it will be Biden, but yet again, I think it's his health. I know a lot of people have been saying that even in the last election, he won't serve a full term. No way, he's too old. Well, we're starting to see some real cognitive decline in him of late, like really bad stuff. Yeah. So whether he gets in and his running mate takes over, whether they put someone up last minute, it's hard to tell. Um, it's going to be a very interesting space to watch. It's going to be uh, a whole, whole schmozzle next year in American politics. The build-up to that election is going to be amazing. It's going to make the last election with uh, the big one with Hillary and Trump look like a, like a kindergarten play in comparison. This one's going to be great. Putting about RFK Jr., right? Because like one of the things we brought up is he kind of can choose which states he campaigns in and kind of pick away at either Trump or Biden, like Trump or Biden's votes, right? Like he can kind of help decide who gets elected by, you know, who he takes votes from. Yeah. And this, this guy you could argue is also another rhino because he can quite easily step in between the, the Republican and the democratic um, talking points very easily. He has the, the name, the Kennedy name. He says a lot of things which are very like pro MAGA American things, but at the same time, he has a lot of, um, progressive left-leaning ideas that he promotes so he's someone that can walk both lines very easily as well um i know there's a lot of talking points early on that imagine if he was trump's running mate wouldn't that be amazing um that would definitely be a stage show to watch if he ever became somehow trump's running mate his wife um is on curb your enthusiasm and they're doing the one last season and it's coming out in like february or something it's gonna be like before the election they're gonna start the last season of Kirby enthusiasm. So I feel like considering the writer's strike and how few shows got made, it's going to be interesting. Like this show is going to have kind of an impact on the intelligentsia in terms of voting. And it's going to be made by the wife of RFK jr. So it's like, you're not supposed to be able to like interfere in the election. Right. But these are the ways that we can with media, right. You make something about something else that's totally related. Well, where um, politics and culture feed off one another. It's like a circular loop. What one does impacts culture. What culture does impacts politics. It's that kind of that loop that keeps feeding on itself. So if they push a kind of narrative or a message in that show, that's going to be taken up by some people, which you would just, you could define as undecided voters. There's a lot of people are very manipulated just by culture and media in general. So that's a place to watch for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I just kind of the main thing I've been thinking about is just like because because of the election, just so many people are uh, not able to get the. We don't have debates. We don't have the. I mean, not really. We don't have the same kind of media anymore. And last election, it was so many people were locked into their. I don't want to hear from you, so I'll just block you. And so there's these echo chambers, and now we have like AI, right? And so more and more people are talking about like the worries of post truth. Like we're just going to get more and more 
fed what we want to hear like do you do you do you see that like what do you see like this election turning into do you see it being like the most or the least legitimate election um it depends on where things go i know that the restrict act has been spoken about in the states um we've got the the hangover from january 6th still we've got ideas of ai and misinformation and disinformation that's been spoken about in the western world in general but it's going to be a big focus in the states and it could go either way on the election. Um, Democrats, aka Biden, could get in, and there could be some kind of a flip out from nutbag conservatives, air quotes by them, um, that do something really bad that could usher in um, control of speech, control of what you put on social media, control of firearms. It could also go the other way. It could have um, Trump could get in, and someone, some purple haired lefty could try to assassinate him or do some kind of big attack and the same things could be put in place this isn't a a political um a team a or team b thing we know that both sides of politics want to control what we can and can't say even in america the land of the free home of the brave where you have the actual amendment for free speech which my country only has an implied version of that well, they, remember, at least ours is, ours is an amendment. It's still just a change. It could easily be yes. changed again. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's there's an idea that this election cycle for, for the Americans is going to dictate where the Orwellian kind of 1984 future goes into, how hard it's going to be brought in, how fast it's going to be brought in. Either way, it's going to happen. Is it going to happen over the course of a year? Is it going to happen over the course of five years? I think that really depends on which group gets in. So, okay, so you see that it's just like they're trying to transition us into this techno technocracy and it's, it's like, whether like, or not we're ready. Almost a techno feudalism. Um, Australia's ahead of the game on this. We've got a misinformation, disinformation bill um, being put through Parliament in the new year. Um, this was originally the, th the brainchild of our Conservative government who mm. didn't win the last federal election, but the Labor, our left wing, did. Lo and behold, the Labor government have tabled it and they want to bring it through now. Now, on its face, the Conservatives are against it for the publicity of it all. But really, if they've tabled it in the first place and wanted to do it on their own terms, right. they're not really going to vote against it because it's useful them, for them when they get back into politics. It's a case of just... What's the disinformation? Absolutely. And so this is the thing. Like, so a rhino is somebody who is trying to break the party because everyone has it but them. But what is uh, the misinformation and disinformation camp? Like, what is this uh, doc? Like, what is the doctrine of this bill? That uh, they can stop uh, fake news that we make, yes. real news? Yeah. So, so the idea is it's a fight against um, misinformation that was shared during, say, our um, recent referendum for the voice to parliament. They said a lot of fake things about the UN, the World Economic Forum, swayed people's votes. So okay. we need to protect people online from misinformation, disinformation. Now, it's mm. interesting that the woman that's behind this uh, once worked for Twitter, who got the ass when Elon took over. She wants to give herself ministerial powers, the same powers as a politician, with the ability to call any person or organisation to a panel to question them over misinformation or disinformation. Wow. If you do not attend, you get a $9,000 per day fine. If you don't attend, you can face up to 12 months in prison for a first offense and longer. So it's very much up in the air. It's like a truth czar, essentially what they're trying to bring Dang. into Australia. A truth czar. I mean, so like how crazy is that? Because it's simultaneous to people trying to make all this AI art. And I mean, 
most people don't get like it used to be even that you'd have people come to your town and you see a politician in person and they'd campaign. Now you never even have the real experience. It's literally only their presented avatar, their presented persona, their superego. So what is what, you know, what is it even about truth anymore? Like how, how are we going to know what's true when most people's experiences have nothing to do with reality anyway? That's, that's exactly right. That's the question you have to ask. If it, if it's up to any one singular person in this case to dictate what truth is, you're in a very dangerous position. If you go into the the future of AI and AI-generated images, what's to say that if you're talking out against the government, they just form a, an AI-generated image of you or a, a speech that you're making saying some outlandish and disgusting things and they use that as evidence and say it's the truth because they're the, the determining person who can say what is truth, true and untrue. They've got this weapon at the, at the ultimate control. If they can dictate what reality is, they've got the ultimate power in this. Then we live in Running Man. Is that the right one? Is that the right that movie? Is, that is Running Man. It is the is, plot for Running Man. It is? Is that the one where like they have like fake news videos about him? Yes. Okay, yep. just making sure. Yeah, I feel like we haven't put that on YouTube for free in a while. You know, they don't want to remind <laughs> people. Um, what else is going on in China? Uh, China. What else is going on? <laughs> Someone just in said, Southern China. Someone asked Drew about Chinese buying land in ports in Australia, please. So that'll work. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah. So uh, China has been a very big influence in buying property within Australia. Um, previously, in the last 10 years, we had the Belt and Road Initiative come to Australia where they approached um, my ex state premier, Daniel Andrews, to buy our ports and invest money in building infrastructure. That was luckily knocked on the head by the conservative government at the time. Building a road in China from Australia seems a little silly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we've got, so that was knocked on the head. Um, We've had since had a left-leaning government get in control who are moseying on up to China and trying to get their favor again. So we are seeing the, the situation where lots of farmland, potential airports, Ports are all being either leased or bought out by China, um, which just seems at a big detriment to Australia. Like we, they are our biggest trading partner. Don't get me wrong; we're we're reliant on them for the economy, but it's a uh, it's a bit Australians always sit in the back of the bus. I'm really sorry about that. We, <laughs> it's because you guys are up really late. Oh, you know what I can do though? I don't know if um, Stoops is awake, but I know an Australian who might be awake right now, and I'm going to throw him a link too in, in case he's. Uh... Oh, beauty, get him up. Let me see. Where is he? Stoops. Stoops. There he is. Five minutes ago. Get in here, mate. Okay. Um, Australia, China. Did you see Pine Gap? Do you know, like, Pine Gap for Americans is kind of important. It's our pseudo-secret NSA base. And uh, is it in the North Territory? Is that where it's at? Uh, Yeah, it's in Central Australia. So, yeah, essentially it's the CIA's playground in Australia that we don't have (laughs) any real access to. We provide them with plenty of intel, information and resources, but we don't really get anything out of that in that deal. It's kind of like the five eyes. All of us work together, but America gets the results of it. And then America feeds that off to Israel. So, you know. I feel uh, like Britain. I feel like Britain gets more out of that. And also, you know who I'd really I don't want to give I don't want to do this here, but like New Zealand. Hello? Like, come on. Let's just let's not do this here. But uh (laughs) but Pine Gap, I mean, so I saw a show about it a while ago. Did you see the Pine Gap show? Um the the was it the Yes dramatization has the girl from Halt and Catch Fire, maybe it doesn't, but it was watchable. Here's the deal. You got like 
you know oh god it's on netflix now that was like on australian television just afraid to air for a while that's amazing you had like nsa agents who were either gay or pedophiles yeah, or course. like all kinds of weird stuff going on and then like they the, then there's china and it's, i think the show's really aimed for australia to be like look china's right here you know like why are we doing all this with the with america they don't treat you very well and like china's supposed to treat you so much better do you yeah, vibe yeah. with that? Like, what do you think about this idea that they're trying to move China in and give Pine Gap to China, right? Because it's not uh, like it's I think China's just kind of taken the place of what the USSR used to be. The Russians were the big boogeyman. And for Australia, it's traditionally always been Indonesia or China as our huh. big threat, right? Indonesia. Uh, Post-World War II as well, right? <laughs> just because of population alone, they outnumber True. us significantly. Yeah, yeah, and the Dutch. I mean, like, there's more to Indonesia than people realize. Like, they could yeah. have become, they could have been somebody, you know? Yeah, that's right. And as, as Australia being a British colony, they had rivalry with the Dutch back in the day anyway. So it has yeah. that historical precedence. Um, yeah. I think they really tried to put the idea of China being our biggest threat. Um, I definitely know that from times within the RAF that they were still very much seen as our, our greatest threat within our region. And we really need to rely on America for everything, right? So mm. much so where essentially we're just a a vassal state of the United um, United States at this point. For a I mean, it sucks to be Australia. You guys are a vassal state of everybody. It's like the, oh, that's right. The British. Like, so that's the other thing. What about the British uh, government? Like just firing in 1970 something, they like fired the Parliament of Australia. Right, the Queen. Isn't this true? Like the Queen of England. Uh, so, so the Queen got. There was a stalemate in Parliament where successive bills were trying to get put up in parliament and passed. Okay. It was like a hung parliament. So nothing got through. So the governor general who was acting on behalf of the queen, which is really the highest form of office in our country, dismissed um, our prime minister at the time and and put, forced it to an election. So, I mean, am, is this, am I like, am I being too reductionist here to say that your government is uh an employee of the queen essentially and if it doesn't do its job it can be replaced with another employee absolutely can even on a state level we have governor generals for each state that can remove premiers if the crown doesn't vibe with what they're saying interesting so like how how does that play out like i mean do you feel by the way australia has been a test site for the cia well yeah always has been okay yeah well that's also true but i mean i think the cia sounds that's even more because like it's the NSA in a sense that ran Pine Gap. But then also when you look into it, probably MI5, MI5 is pretty important. And I think Americans don't really understand how important the British um, elite govern uh, elite intelligentsia or intelligence agency is to, you know, our, our government, but I don't know. So Australia, 1975 constitutional crisis replaced government. How often do you think, how how often does does this happen? Like how does how often are the people of Australia reminded that that they're just uh, like the, that their government's an employee of another royal family from a different country? How often we really happen? we really aren't. We're kind of fed this lie that we have this democracy and we've got the two party system, so we have a choice in it. But at the same time, we're always reminded of this situation when um, when we were in opposition. Say, so I'm a, I'm a conservative. I'm a traditionalist. I hear a lot of talking points of, you know what? The governor general should just come in and get rid of that lefty prime minister. She's got the power to do it. He's got the power to do it. Why don't they make it happen? Like, well, because probably the crown likes what they're doing. Maybe that's the reason. Um, it'd have to be something pretty big these days for that to occur again, I believe. Yeah. They want, they want to hide it. They don't want people to really think about it. Do you, I mean, is, is Canada like this? Like, I don't know if you know, but is Canada moved further away from being a British 
being a commonwealth being a commonwealth country i would dare say that they do have a governor general um it's a bit funny because there's that that influence of the french there with quebec that kind of throws out um a few spanners in the work there but i dare say they'd be like new zealand they'd be like looks like there is yeah we go canada the king or queen is the same executive powers king charles is the governor head of canada yep and he'd have an appointed governor general as well all right so yeah so basically you've got all these countries that are kind of like faking it one other person said uh epstein list what are your thoughts on that they're publishing the epstein list um this actually could actually really publishing 170 names sorry yeah exactly um bit late really should have been out (laughs) day one but anyway um i think it's going to be an interesting one to watch you could probably see two things happen either trump will be omitted from it even though we know he's been on those flights he's admitted as such or he will be listed on this and that's going to be used as ammunition to try and invalidate his run for presidency well they they already tried to do that with rfk right like so rf rfk lolita express and he said uh yeah thank you for bringing it up because i've been saying it for years this guy's creepy my wife and kids were on that flight freaked me out and uh it was before the island or the temple or any of that stuff existed but you know still glad you guys are finally talking about somebody on that list please publish some more names and isn't that kind of what trump did as well because trump you know he didn't get himself in like the libel situation with epstein but like the story is he like hid in the kitchen Right, like he went to the kitchen, yeah. he was freaked and, out, and he hung out with the working staff, and then he had his own jet fly fly in and pick him up. Right, and to his defense, apparently he was very open with the investigators on this. He spoke to them at length when other people just dismissed him. So, you know, more power to him for that. But I don't think names are enough. We know that this was a sex trafficking operation. I don't want just names. I want names and what they were purchasing and the ages of the people that were being purchased. This should be on the public record. Yeah. I can really feel that being a real show. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, okay. Jeffrey Epstein, though, he did have um, a lot of people who worked for him. And when he kind of was what I would say his arrest was his retirement in 2008. So a long, like a long time ago in general, like we're talking by the time people heard about this, it was far over anyway. And a lot of, so we're saying stuff that happened in 2000. So 20 years ago, right? Like this is the beginning of like the 20 year. So how do we look at something that happened 20 years ago? I mean, cause the world obviously kept going and like, how do we, are we supposed to account for it? And also just like how many of these people that didn't want to come out for like all these women that were sex slaves, but now they have new identities New homes, they're pilots. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's it's crazy because it's 170 names. We know there's more, but right. supposedly the, the leak on this is that there's only one ex-American president on that list. There's got to be more than that. Surely there's got to be more. Oh, Billy Boy was probably a, a repeat offender on that plane. Billy Connolly or no? no. Which, which Billy Boy? Who's Billy Boy? <laughs> um, Bill Clinton. Oh, that one. Yeah. Sorry. Billy Connolly recently, like I saw him in the red shoes and there's been a lot about Billy Connolly in my mind. I mean, oh, not Billy. I love even Billy. Billy. I love Billy. I love, I don't get me wrong. Like I don't want it to be true, but that's my newest fear. Um, Bill Clinton though. I mean like, dude, that's the thing about QAnon. Okay. Like it's just, it feeds on everything so well. Have you seen the movie, the society? No, I haven't. Oh, dude, I recommend this movie. No, this isn't it. Hold on. 
1989 society it's really popular in europe for some reason because it just makes more sense to europeans but it's about an american boy who's raised in this mansion in beverly hills and he has these nightmares about his family because he just feels different from his family and psychologist is trying to help him with it his rich school and he just keeps having nightmares about it and you know his family they're not like the same as him you know like they're like his sister's blonde, his dad's blonde. He's like dark haired and stuff like that. And eventually like he stumbles onto like the greatest conspiracy ever, which is like, he was adopted. His family have been raising him so that they could have this freaky ritual with him. So they fake his death because the society runs everything. And then you, it's just this full on fan service of like the weirdest thing possible because it's just people crawling in, spoiler alert. It's just people crawling in and out of each other literally like through their ears and out their noses and mouths. It's just like the craziest thing you could ever see, you know? And it's exactly what people want because they spent their whole life wondering like, what are these rich people doing in this society in the behind these closed doors in these mansions, these parties, it must be crazy. You know, it must be sex, drugs, rock and roll, murder, cannibal. Like it just gets crazier and crazier until it's combined together. And Bill Clinton, you know, like, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, like the frazzle drip idea is it's so compelling because you've got this idea of the id, ego and superego and this idea that they're presenting this thing, which is clearly so false that there has to be some truth. And that truth must be so dark that they don't want it revealed, you know, and he spent so much time, um, you know, the, the him going to Haiti. Right. Like it just feeds into that idea of Santeria and black magic and everything. It's a perfect that early. The early stages of it seem like such perfect conspiracy. Right, and it's it's so perfect because they draw on real truths and real realities of things that are going on in the world. Right. It overinflates them in, in certain certain sense, certain circumstances, and makes them bigger than they are, and makes them more fantastical. Which in the end delegitimizes the the effects that these real horrible things are happening. We know children are being trapped around the world. We know these horrible things are happening to kids, but when they go into this overinflated, bigger, larger than life kind of story it takes away from the legitimate dangerous things that are going on in the world and things that can be done to stop it. I just like, but the question also is like, what is real and what isn't real? Again, with that whole truth and disinformation thing, because if people seeing it isn't enough to get people to react to the real thing, it's like chocolate playing blood in a black and white movie. Like maybe we need people to latch onto their abstract fears in order that they care enough about what's happening to kids because they can't it's because the truth the truth is that violence and evil like evil is inconceivable unless you've experienced it so now you like if you've seen that movie it with the clown right i always i think that's an interesting example because it clown john wayne gacy no one seems to really do the you probably have done this but the connection the john mm -hmm. wayne gacy wore clown outfits and you know the amount of money like he could have been uh, licensed uh, and he would have had like Stephen King would have had to pay. So, of course, making it not John Wayne Gacy legally is very smart. But also psychologically, kids didn't know what was happening. Like people didn't hear like uh, that 50s quieter, gentler times idea is terrifying. Like you, and this is all that a kid sees. They don't get to actually understand what's happening to them. That there's like the, all the pedophiles and the, all this evil in the world, like the real John Wayne Gacy. Like it's enough, like this idea of the scary clown. And it, I think maybe that's what QAnon does for people is it kind of helps them um, 
because they can't they can't really conceive they can't conceive of that kind of evil yeah no it, it, it sounds so cliche it takes the blinkers off for them to some degree it gives them the closest thing they can they think they can approximate to what true evil is but like you like you mentioned before they can never really conceptualize true evil unless they've experienced themselves hmm. they're getting tertiary information at best it's not even secondary information so like what is real evil and like because clearly it's existing and it's happening all around us like what what is the the cause and of evil why does it exist everywhere and how i mean do you see it like how close is the qanon narrative to reality elite people are able to get away with being evil right people that aren't able to be uh can't get away with it are punished but people that can they just kind of continue to excel at it right yeah it's rules for they and not for me um we've seen a case in australia recently where a a police officer was drunk driving his service vehicle crashed it going 100 kilometers over the speed limit he got his name blocked in the public record and sealed away for 40 years. And anyone who speaks about it will face jail time. We've had a celebrity who is well known amongst the circles in Australia accused of rape and their name has been sealed away and they can't be spoken about on the public record. If it's the average person, their name is plastered all over the place. So it's that, that idea of evil. We already know it exists in, in those metrics already. It's how far does it go beyond the, the the reality of what we see in the day to day? That's the question. Because is it becomes like a, a much more philosophical and theological question as to how do you narrow down, define what evil is? Evil in itself, I think, it infects everything. It's those tentacles of like global control. It it can feed into every facet of our lives. It's to recognize that that's the key, and it's a, something that I think once people they've experienced themselves, they can't unsee it, but. To look for it, that's like finding a rabbit in a a needle in a haystack at times because it can be so varied as to what evil is and what's to what level evil is being used. Do you think that there is evil or is evil the absence of righteousness and godliness or something? Like, is it its own thing or is it the absence of good? I th I, I come from this at a, from a Christian perspective. I think that humanity has the ability to be evil under certain circumstances and under certain influences. I think that we aren't the perfect ideal creation. I think we were intended to be, but because of our fall, um, we have sin within us. And unfortunately, we are subjective to that. And we see that on a such a small level on how politicians can be corrupted through greed, corrupted through sex scandals. Uh, any type of thing in the average world that you can see evil taking place, it's. I think it's outside influences. Very rarely we do see the the schizophrenic psycho killer that kills people. But then we go to find out through our research that generally they've been under MK ultra programs or some form of government operation. But who has But who hasn't? Yeah. yeah. Maybe they went to university and then decided they were going to mail a few uh, postal bombs into certain places. But I think ultimately there's an impact or some kind of influence people would be under, whether it's subtle, like um, psychological or physical for them to be evil. Um, Goldstein, someone said earlier that Trump reminded them of Emmanuel Goldstein from 1984, right? Like he's reading this book and Emmanuel Goldstein is sort of the enemy of the state of Oceania. And he's got a, a book on, you know, the theory and practice of our oligarchical collectivism and talking about like the evils of the state. And it turns out that he's kind of a controlled psychological operation of the big brother himself or themselves. Right. 
Um, do you think that that is there some truth to that? I mean, because Trump did start out as uh, running as a favor to Hillary Clinton, right? For Bill, as a favor to Bill Clinton for this, and then the story goes that he said, "No, I'm going to do this on my own," and they do seem to hate him and everything. So, is that true, or is how much is Trump? the Emmanuel Goldstein or how much is QAnon the Emmanuel Goldstein? No? Well, this is the cautious approach that I come from it with that you have to throw up that like play devil's advocate. Either he is the savior, the guy that's coming to help us and is the political answer or he's a shaping operation. He's there for a reason. He's been played to attract people to throw everyone off and, and, and take away from what really could be used as um, someone to gather around. Um, arguably it's a situation where, he was being used as a psyop, um, playing both sides. But we can see that people lost faith in politics a long time ago. A lot of people woke up to the two wings of the same bird analogy and they needed a popularist. So he's the popularist. He comes in. He's not a politician. He comes in. He has great sayings like, I'm going to drain the swamp. He has so many great talking points I'm skeptical as to whether that's genuine or not pre-written for him. God, I did a thing I had. I don't know if I still have it on here somewhere. I probably deleted it already. But I had this thing where Trump was uh, talking. I think it's gone now. But basically, it was like the Seinfeld. You know, he's like, yeah, what's the deal with these paper straws? Like, are we are we using these? Have you used these? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Like a Jay Leno thing. And it's like everything he said. For the last year or so, it was like a Seinfeld shtick bit. And it was brilliant because he's like, we're going to get rid of these paper straws. You know, it's like every little thing is like a joke and it's something that we're living with that's zany. It's perfect, you know? So he's that, a sitcom president. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the laughing tracks in the background half the time. I recently started trying to watch some of the episodes of The Apprentice because I hadn't really done that before. It's particularly the Celebrity Apprentice, right? Because I, I, there's a couple of people like I wanted to see because I think Tom Green, when Tom Green was like, you know, as a Canadian actor, uh, they tell you don't talk about politics and in America, like especially. But like, I feel like it's hard not like I should. It's weird me not talking about Trump because I literally worked for him. I know him. I've met him and he fired me, you know. And so like it made me want to see how The Apprentice worked. And it's interesting because The Apprentice is a pretty cool show. He's showing you how he would go through and fire people which is literally what his shtick was in Washington. I'm going to go through Washington and fire people. Right. But like, how much do you think that that's a lie? How much do you think that that's not real? Or do you think that there's a lot of truth to it? I mean, looking at the people he hired, he hired people that needed to be fired. Um, is that exactly. keeping your enemies close? Is that what he's doing? Like, what is the deal? Well, I, I, I think that's the, that's the argument that they use. He needs to keep certain people in circulation so that they can show the world how dangerous and how evil they are. They Jeez, need to expose okay. the stench in the swamp. That's the idea that I see um, put a, put across quite a bit. But at the same time, if you're going to drain the swamp, just bloody drain it already. The idea, <laughs> the, the idea of um, the white hats are coming to save us, well, you could turn around and say, well, they're not doing a, a very good bloody job of it at the moment because things are progressively getting worse and worse. And that again, every everything can fall back into trust the plan. It's all meant to happen. This is going to be really good, you know. I'm the best president ever. This type of stuff that it's meant to happen because you have to see it happen. It's like almost like a revelation of the method. You have to see the craziness before it can be solved. But I don't know. The logical thinking of my brain just goes, "Why are we just letting this happen?" It's like watching an old lady get pushed over 
down the street and you go, well, that's a bad guy. I'm going to tell the police about him at some point, but not today because I need to see that old lady get pushed over first. I won't intervene. Yeah, I mean, so it seems interesting because if you don't, um, you know, you could be like, okay, it's all a lie and like it's all a bunch of nonsense. We shouldn't really be worried about the election. And, you know, these people, you shouldn't vote because you're giving power, you're submitting to the system or something like that because it's an electoral college anyway. But then, you know, that doesn't mean you can't influence, right? Like this is us influencing what the, the politics are. You're influencing the United States right now. I mean, we're basically Russian bots, you know? So I, <laughs> I got to wonder, like, is the best thing to have Trump win? Like, do you think, isn't that arguably, I thought it was better. I liked it better um, than anything else. Hey, don't get me wrong. I think anyone except the senile Biden is a good choice. And on paper, I think Biden, um, that Trump is a better choice than Biden. The economy was better for the US under Trump. But I think at very least, I think Trump ran for presidency the last time as a bit of a laugh at himself to see how far he can get away with it. And he's kind of just fell into the job and he kind of still sitting in the Oval Office going, shit, what do I do now? Because I didn't actually plan for this to actually happen and it's kind of happened. He was just getting through. What does that say about the conspiracy theories of the world? Because it's like, would they let it happen? Like how powerful, how, how much did people have to want it for them to go against themselves and say, okay, well, we'll just have to let him be president. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, I don't think there's any one answer and we could sit here and we could, critically analyze everything to the end to the degree, but I don't think we're ever really going to know. Are you, you conspiracy all... theorists though? Do you think nah. it's like, did, does democracy choose the president? Like, did that happen? Do you think that's what went down? I personally, I think people are selected and not elected. Yeah. And, and the idea is maybe Trump was, Hey, it couldn't be something as simple as it would have been the first time ever. There's a little group of uh, elite sitting around a table deciding how the world's going to go. And they go, Let's put a celebrity in the White House. Let's see what happens there. Or let's just let this play out for a little bit and see what happens. They could be bored. They could have ate their 15th baby of the day and they just don't have anything else to do but watch America implode and they just want it to happen. I don't know. These people are sickos. They could yeah. do anything. But it could also be a pendulum because you you swing right. and it causes people to swing back. Exactly. You know? So like picking picking Trump is something where it's like everyone thinks it's so great, but so little is accomplished, and there's so much reaction to it. Yeah, it's it's the pen, the pendulum analogy that something swings so far to the right or left when it, it eventually has to come back, and it comes back pretty hard, especially when they push left wing ideology really fast, really quickly. What we would call wokeism today, that the swing back to conservative rightism is going to be pretty harsh. But at the same time, to control that, all you need to know is to be ahead of that pendulum, how to control it, how to play things out, noticing when it's swinging back. Um, and I think a lot of people are catching on to that. They're noticing the pendulum swing. They know what's happening now. They're a bit more switched on to geopolitics than they were in previous generations. Did you ever use woke as a positive term? Like, didn't we used to say woke was like 20 years ago? Couldn't we have said like, oh, that's pretty woke? Or I can't even imagine now, but I feel like woke didn't mean what it does now. Like it used to be like a good thing. I like, honestly can't yeah. remember woke being used outside of this context. Yeah, um, awake, awake you hear a lot, especially within our our circle. So when someone's awake, they've got the the blinds have been pulled back and they've the blinkers are gone. They can see what's happening. Woke just kind of came out of nowhere. It's a good little buzzword. I'd love to be the person who's getting paid for that word being used repeatedly. I just want to rebrand it. Like I feel like woke shouldn't mean numb, numb and deaf and blind. You know. 
it should mean being awake and aware and alert and empathic and having of empathy. It's a problem with the word woke. Like we should like woke should be like you and me talking about this. It shouldn't be uh young Turks. Yeah, it's it's almost toxic progressivism. It's taken away the good points of being progressive and made it this negative thing. Maybe we should start ref- we should culture block instead of calling it woke, like you said, the deaf, dumb, and blind approach. We should call them callers, like Helen Callers, because they really Kellers. don't know what's going on. That's true. Yeah, like I feel like if we're going to be calling them something, you know, like it's a Keller. I don't know. What do you think about Helen Keller? Like, do you think Helen Keller was a conspiracy? Like, do you know that one? I know the generality around who she was, but I haven't looked into conspiracy side of things. So like basically the generality is like, she's a deaf, dumb and blind girl, but she got to touch the world's fair. She's the only person allowed to touch it. And she had all these things to say, but they were all like communist things that were written down. And it's like, was this poor girl just like a vegetable that was kidnapped and like used, uh, exploited so that these leftists who said that they could teach her to communicate could write all this stuff and say that you know helen keller and coco the ape and all these you know like sophia the robot like they all are saying the thing like isn't it interesting that they're saying the things i think that they should be saying like it could be very easily that helen keller didn't actually uh come up yeah she could be a scam written by communists in the 19th century definitely exploitation going on there for sure um (laughs) coco the gorilla that's another one for sure Definitely. Dude, Coco the Gorilla uh, told us all about God, you know? We learned about gorillaism. Yep. And did you know that Coco the Gorilla rose on the next day and descended into heaven? Dude, I'm more of a blaintologist, but I do like Coco the Gorilla. I don't know. I mean, like, it seems like that's another thing is that AI is getting to this point, like technocracy and stuff. It's going to be talking more with animals and with nature and everything. So it's like the answer to me has been for a long time. We just need to give people what they want more. I don't know if that's exactly the way to put it, but AI and technology would be better at coming up with solutions to give as many people um, satisfaction and as little suffering as possible. And like most of the arguments we have are just about redistribution of wealth. Right. And people saying they want to latch onto something. So I find it funny because the Republicans or the right wingers or whatever, like especially in that stream, that shared space, like, what would they say? Like, yeah, like if all of a sudden Rupert Murdoch sat down next to them and started agreeing with them, he's like, yeah, yeah, I agree. I want to keep my property. I want to keep, I don't want anyone to redistribute what I've already stolen from Aborigines. I agree with you. You know, like, I feel like that's the thing. Like we do need some redistribution, maybe not uh, from the, from the worst of the elite, like running it. But I mean, this is pretty messed up uh, distribution of wealth, right? Like the way that certain billionaires control everything is kind of this is what led to the collapse in the 1890s right yeah it's it's the idea of that we're moving into that technocracy and and the people that who would on like in that space you said at the moment disagree with people based on their idea of party lines and black and white but if that person was to come into that space and agree with them i think they'd have that cognitive dissonance where their head would spin and they wouldn't be able to really understand what's going on. Yeah, totally. And what would that's the question? Like, what do they do? Like, do they have to immediately realize and disagree with themselves on without understanding why they disagree, but just know that they're supposed to, or do they start to try to understand the nuances? Because at a certain point, like redistribution of wealth becomes a question. And it's something like, it's not just of wealth. It's redistrib. It's like the ecosystem. 
at a certain point you've got a biosphere you've got things that are you have water and nutrients and minerals that are moving from trees to mushrooms to plants to corn to south america to china to chips to frozen foods in europe back i mean it's just it's this cappuccino economy we're gonna have to start learning how to deal with less entropy and it's it's the only way to do that is perhaps some sort of maybe not centralized planning but internodal planning right like some sort of even the idea of um redistributing redistributing law in itself and yeah who can be held accountable Faceless entities really can't be held accountable to the same level the average person can. An average person can go to prison for life for insider trading. When a company does it, they get a small fine and a slap on the wrist, and that's about it. Is that equal? Not really. How would you redistribute that that ability to whose accountability and rights? That's a bigger question in itself. Yeah. No, that's actually interesting. Like, explore that a bit. Like, how do you redistribute rights? Like, I mean, how? Because not everyone has the right i mean the idea of pursuit of happiness that is like i guess this idea of like socialism um education even right like how do you i mean we only in the america in the united states have public education because of the second amendment it started out as a well-regulated militia and you had to that was what well-regulated meant you know essentially so i, I wonder about uh this idea of positive government like what do you think of responsibility of po positive government is um so this kind of gets into the weeds of do you have government um, provided healthcare? Do you have government provided energy and water? Are those things that should be the responsibility of government or should it be up to private uh, organizations to do that? Um, I'm more tiptoeing on the lines of like legal representation, a quality of outcome under the eyes of the law, because there's very much a, there's a schism when it comes to the average person on the streets, an elite or a, corporate high flyer and then nameless entities like corporations there's a whole variation as to what people can be found liable for sentenced for charged for fined for it varies across those but should there be an equality to that um and but at the same time it becomes a a means tested thing if it was equal the average person on the street would have a huge multi-million dollar fine like a corporate ceo would or a, a entity or it flips the other way. There's a $900 fine for the person on the street, and there's also a $900 fine for the big, the big wigs on on Wall Street. It, it doesn't equate. So the idea of equality under the law is so nuanced to have to be in certain circumstances as well. And I don't think there's any any clear answer at this point. It's it's something you could ponder on and postulate about till the chaos come home i like uh managerial theory like marxism as managerial theory was when it started to make sense to me so like you look at like ein randists in uh california and you think well they're not leftists but a lot of randists run big tech companies and so you'll see things like for instance open ai uh spending billions of dollars on servers so that you can run chat gpt and bing like microsoft spending billions of dollars so you can run bing create for free right i mean you can pay to do certain things but for the most part a lot of that stuff what they're doing is they're immersing you in the drug so that eventually you're addicted to the drug and then you'll need to buy the drug right? it's a classic way to exist right and the other thing is you know if you were to um uh build like a business you feed your slaves you feed your horses it's, it's uh, owenism you know so managerial theory it makes sense to have your socialist uh, system because that's the most efficient way to take care of your workers. They all go to bed at the same time. 
they'll get up early in the morning. Their kids are educated, so they know how to run the machines in the future. Um, the, George Bernard Shaw wrote The Intelligent Women's Guide to Socialism. And in it, he says, I th um, the rich can avoid the plague until the poor get the plague. And then everybody gets the plague, right? So it becomes like socialism isn't necessarily without its utilitarian, selfish values. You know, there's reasons why, like, you might in a otherwise perfectly fine circumstance not want social medicine. But if there's Ebola outbreaks and there's, um, you know, COVID was more legitimate or something, then it would make sense to have, um, like, some sort of a social defense, right? So it, it could, I, feel, I find that kind of interesting also, just this idea that we think of socialism as this enemy of, of, of free market economy. But really, it's like a mechanism of sustainability. And like it kind of has to come into play at some point, some amount of social corporate responsibility. Yeah, you look at social medicine that happens within Australia, the United Kingdom and Canada, because we're Commonwealth nations, we've all got that commonality, that arguably you could say that that type of social medicine system that exists to keep the population healthy enough so they continue to contribute to the, the system and provide taxes and revenue so that the country can keep going economically. Because if you've got unhealthy workers and people who are constantly sick, they're going to have more sick days, their productivity is down, their kids are probably going to miss out in school. It compounds into a point where they're not actually been, uh, a net positive benefit to, say, the economics and the, the continuity of a, a country or a nation state. So it's, it's, it's that side as well. Have you ever seen Graystill plays? He just did, it was a while ago, but like he built a lawless anarchy. And it turned into a perfect utopia in the simulation called Washington plus more coffee. And there was just uh, the rules were the um, humankind, the rights to health, dignity and non-discrimination, private property with the limits of common good, strict enforcement of private property. He changed that too. Right. And then um, laissez faire. He removes like any amount of uh, limited government powers, individual freedom and just complete laissez faire. And so, as it rose up, you know, these businesses started to expand. They started to hire people. There's no support. Like it's like they started to move bigger businesses started to make more money. And then eventually I think it like it and no, no carbon regulations against carbon emissions. Boom. All of a sudden the city just grew like twice the size. Then a business opens up that builds cities. And then you get to like a point where there's like rockets that are launching, you know? And it's just, I find that it, like, what do you think about this idea of like laissez faire anarchy? Like, can I mean, can that lead? Like, does that make sense to you? Is that going to track? Is that going to get to a point where, I mean, sure, people will die. But, like, will, is that the best? Is that nature? Is that how nature gets to the peak of evolution? Is laissez-faire uh, capitalism? Well, I think that that's the idea. We kind of pulled ourselves out of the from the mud and, and sharpening sticks and stones to the point we are now because we're constantly progressing intellectually, technologically when you put things in place that hinder or slow that down, you almost end up in a situation where you have brain drain, where mm. things like carbon credit schemes and emission schemes, that's potentially holding back innovations in technology, even the way that people govern in society. So there's a balancing act between, and I'm not a greenie by any means, how do you continually progress without fucking up the planet through genuine pollution and, say, things like deforestation in areas that shouldn't occur? It's a, it's a balancing act between progressing for the betterment of mankind and progressing for the, uh, for 
the sake of, say, corporate greed. And I understand that corporate greed in itself, or big profit margins, rather, that provides opportunity for jobs in which families can then better themselves through education. And then you can get that increase in, say, brain power, say, the opposite of brain drain. But it's still a balancing act. I think anytime you put too many barriers in the way of intellectual, scientific, theological, philosophical progression, it's a net negative. But it's definitely a balancing act as to how many barriers can you allow without limiting it too much? I mean, and sometimes, okay, so like, I'm just, I know that you're about, we got to get going soon. So I'll just try to be quick. But thinking that like the Soviet Union ecological disasters are really interesting because so many in the environmental disasters are areas where they just can't go back for a hundred years. And so those are like perfect. Like you've got nuclear lakes, which are filled with sulfur. Extremophiles are flourishing because there's nothing to eat them. And in a hundred years, it'll be like a biological utopia um that humans will probably ruin again unless we learn this time but like what do you think about that right like isn't it awesome when we destroy the potential for humans to live in an area that's accelerationism at, at its finest because then that area can fix itself it seems like any place that you know that humans have destroyed you just give it a hundred years or less and it becomes uh beautiful again except it's for almost the sahara it's almost like the flea treatment for the world. Like you look at Chernobyl. After Chernobyl, like people go, "Oh, it's a it's a wasteland, and you can't oh, it's go there." Beautiful. Well, well you look at it. It Leaners. is just. It is the absolute. It is a peak pinnacle of. There's the, the skeletal ruins of what humanity had done to that place, but you see nature taking back, and you see nature in abundance reclaiming that area. So, in the the reality of. Is it good to see these things happen for a say a non-human perspective? Absolutely. It's like humans get the the no no go zone for a little while and nature gets to recorrect itself because humans, even though we are from nature, because of our intellect, because of our drive, our ambition, whatever you want to put it down to, we don't necessarily adapt to suit to the planet. We adapt the planet to suit ourselves, where I think that's where humanity kind of lost its way. We really haven't seen a broad progression of evolution for humanity that um, the arms race of evolution in animals has done or development wow. of animals. That's really interesting, right? I mean, think about transhumanism then, because this idea then that we're about to hit a, a point where we have the opportunity to evolve rapidly to, in, to interact with nature. Like, do you think that that, I mean, a lot of people are against that on the right, um, but probably on the left too. Like, what do you think about transhumanism and this idea then that we could become more, we could change humans more to match nature. Is that a good thing? Um, I think it's kind of like the, like the Gattaca approach. I think you quickly turn into, it's a world of eugenics and you have the uh, genetically superior Ubermensch and then you've got the God children, the people are just the, the, the original stock, but then you've got the idea of, um it's almost like the the purchasing power and um the way in which we buy products someone wants to swim underwater genetically engineer some gills for them be like kevin costner from Waterworld. somebody wants to be six foot tall they genetically alter themselves to be six foot tall there's a lot of uh i would say almost star trek idolization of how good it can be you could get rid of disease within a generation, you get rid of um, abnormalities, you can improve the human condition to be stronger, more robust, more adaptable to harsher conditions. But at the same time, you've got the negative impact of that of where you could have a whole new idea of what class system is based on genetic purity and, say, genetic superiority. 
based mm. on what you decide to do to yourself. Yeah, I mean, like the fear is that like people would do it for civilization. Like, they would do it for work and like to live in a city better, you know, be better at city life. But I mean, how plausible is it that we wouldn't just because, of course, like eugenics leads to an aesthetic. We're like, this is perfect because we like it. But that's not necessarily correct or perfect. And it might be that in nature, like diversity of phenomena, we do you think there's a um, just potential for humans wanting to integrate more with nature because of technology or are we headed towards, you know, further deviation from nature because of technology? I think it's a, probably a deviation away from nature more than anything else. And it's funny that you mentioned these no-go zones that humans have absolutely trashed, whether it's chemically or radiologically. What's to say that they don't start, say, altering humans to be able to go back into those environments and then those environments no longer have a chance to bounce back from humanity because we're suddenly just where we have a an absorption rate of... Um, say radiation instead of um vitamin d we need radiation to survive in those areas and they put people to work back in those places or someone is completely free from the effects of chemical spills in an area that's been completely used as a dumping ground for like 300 years hmm. i think the idea of altering the worker to the locations is probably more of a thing we kind of see that at the moment and what with the cobalt mines in africa that we're sending yeah. little kids down mines right well, what happens when the kids grow up? They they kind of age out. They can't fit them down the little holes. Well, maybe you just genetically alter a small person. Pygmies, man. To go that's down. All yeah. Need. yeah, yeah, exactly. I see you coming. I mean, a lot of those, that's a big thing with Tartaria. And we should do another episode talking about like the foundlings and the orphan trains and some of that technology. Like, because a lot of that stuff's made for like really small people to run, right? Which is like, okay. And then you can see how kids are involved with this. But yeah, no, I like what you're doing. Um, let me. Let me also pull up like a link, like uh, you're missing the point. Besides your Twitter, uh, what would be a good thing that you'd like to share with people? And also, yeah, uh, there's more that you wanted to say before I started like showing where I could get your stuff, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, you're missing the point podcast on all the usual podcatchers. Also a part of Conspiracy Theater 3000. So we break down cinema films. We've recently just done A Christmas Story as a watch along. Pretty funny one. We sat down, had a few drinks while we watched that and tried to pull it apart. Um, I have a monthly Christian Conspiracy Coalition roundtable where I gather other podcasters who are of the faith, jump on and talk about faith and elements of conspiracy and see how those intertwine. Um, a lot of breakdowns of films recently, but yeah, just enjoying the world and the stage that we're presented with at the moment and trying to get something out of it. Yeah, these are great things, and I urge my listeners to listen to these because they're really cool. Not just, I mean, both. Like the Christian Conspiracy Coalition, and by the way, I would love to join at some point an episode of that because I think it's a really great uh, series that you're doing, and like it's cool. But also your conspiracy theater because the conspiracy theater stuff, there's a lot of movies, you know, which talk about Frog Dreaming at one point. I don't know what you Australians called Frog Dreaming. <laughs> the Quest. Quest. Never seen this one? The Kid from E.T.? Oh, no, in Australia. Let me have Bruh. a look. Frog, frog Dreaming. Dream. It's called Great. Frog Dreaming. It's like if you're into Keck and QAnon and, and all that and from an Australian perspective, then you need to watch Frog Dreaming. Like it's, I'm not kidding. It's really important. The quest. Yeah. What so year did that like, come out? 86, I think. All right. Nice. Oh, frog Dreaming 1986. Yeah. A Everything Cool came out in 1986. <laughs> Short Circuit. Which How about have I not seen this? Dude, I don't know. I mean, shame on you, but that's okay. Like, it's mainly because you're from a different timeline, and that's all right. And we're gonna watch <laughs> it together, and it's gonna be fine. It's gonna blow your freaking mind because it's about the Aboriginal myth about the frog dreaming and the bunyips. I'm not even gonna tell you anymore. Don't 
you dare read anything else. We're just going to watch. We're just brother, watch I'm, I am in Bunyip country. I'm in the southern part of the country. This is where they live. Bro, you're... I can't. I'm so like I want. I want so bad to talk about it more, but I'm not gonna. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll just do that later, dude. It has been good. We'll we'll do another episode soon. And uh, thanks for having mate. having the, the time to come through from down under. Anytime, mate. Thanks for having me. Peace. Oval Office.